Hi everyone, it's Stephen Hattiesides and we're back with another great podcast and I am very, very happy to announce that I have a, a very special lady and she has many, many roles apart from having a family, uh, running a practice, running a very successful podcast, um, but we're going to learn all about that and I'm with uh, Paula DiMarco Young. So Paula, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Stephen. And uh, I'm really, really interested to um, obviously speak about all the great successes that um, you've had um, from initially when you were first sort of building up your own personal brand um, to running a very successful practice. Now, um, I just want to let the audience know that um, you know you're currently uh, uh, running a uh, podcast uh, channel on Living Sage on the Plastic Surgery Channel on Apple TV. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And uh, you've also got um, Young Medical Spa, where you're the marketing and public relations um, manager. Um, mm-hmm. And also, um, your husband is the physician there. Um, and you've really sort of built that practice up into a couple of different locations. And uh, I'm sure the audience is really, really interested to find out more. So, uh, Porter, if, if we could start off by, if you can just tell me a little bit about, you know, initially you were a nurse and you had a a very special interest in laser tattoo removal. So what made you sort of change your mindset into, you know, now becoming um, a little bit of a celebrity and a a personality now? Um, You've got big audiences that consumers are following about educating patients. But tell me where it all sort of started where you decided to really sort of um, start this podcasting and, and, you know, transfer from, from medical well, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the podcast. It's called It's a Young Thing with Nurse Paula Young. And I didn't start it because I wanted to be a podcaster. I started it because when my husband and I, we've been in business for almost 15 years. And we literally started our practices at the beginning with a vial of Botox, maybe one or two syringes of dermal filler. And we had a Palomar Starlux 300 laser. I mean, like the first laser with <laughs> only two of the heads and no patients. We had no wow. patients. And wow. we just had our internal medicine patients that we slowly ended up converting. So within two years, we went from really having no aesthetic patients to having um, solely aesthetic practice, you know, 100% cosmetic medicine, and it just branched from there. And my husband was one of the very first docs to introduce Smart Lipo on the East Coast, and he's done well, by this time, well over 7,000 procedures, and he trains other doctors in that. So we just kept building. And, and my, my thing with him was like, all right, honey, you be good at what you do, and it's my job to let everybody know how good you are. That was our relationship. So over the years, we found, you know, marketing kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and information was more important. It used to be he who had the biggest yellow page ad won. Mm. Now, I don't think anybody has yellow pages anymore, <laughs> and it's all about being social. But in that time, I found people are coming in for consultations. They're asking the same questions over and over again. And now you have all these celebrities out there and they're getting procedures done and they're getting them done wrong or they're being advertised wrong. And people are getting so confused. There's so many misconceptions. They couldn't figure out if they come in, I'll give you a classic example of a certain starlet that had a reality star who had the vampire facelift or facial and she has blood all over her face. It's like, it's not done like that. You know, (laughs) and people are, 
are so confused. So they come in and they get it done. And they're like, well, wait a minute. My whole face isn't covered with blood. You did something wrong. And I'm like, no, you were just educated wrong. So I said to my husband, all right, I got to stop this. You know, there's got to be something I can do. So I decided that twofold reason I was going to start a podcast. I was going to record, look, people, this is what the procedure is about. And this is what you have to look out for. This is who it's good for. And this is who it's not. And one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is between Botox and dermal fillers, you know, neurotoxins and dermal fillers. It's so easy. But for so many people, it's so confusing. So I did the podcast twofold. One, to help educate people and try to clear up some of the stuff that's being blown out of proportion. But two, from a competitive point of view from a business point of view, because so say, Stephen, you know, you do smart lipo and you're down the block from me and I do smart lipo and patients are going to your website and they're looking at before and after photos come to my website and they're looking at before and after photos. Well, the Google bots don't have any idea who's more important. They just see somebody on your site and they leave. So my goal was to keep people on my website. And I found by embedding the iframe of my podcast in the page, People were staying on my website longer. So my bounce rate went down, my retention rate went up, but the added plus was patients were coming in for consultations more informed. They were asking better questions in the consult. And I, that's really interesting you say that because I think, you know, with uh, video being so prominent now, um, you know, I think it's a must for any, any practice as well to have video on the website. Um, the great thing with video or podcasting, isn't it, is that you can actually be much more informed, but you can actually meet and fit, well, feel like you've already spoken to or listened to the uh, the practitioner or the expert at the practice before they arrive. And it was interesting, I, I, I have a client of ours uh, in Perth, and one of their um, uh, challenges in their business was that they said that a lot of patients would come in and they found it really difficult to schedule enough time because they would come in for a consultation, but they weren't willing to commit to the treatment um, via the web or when the, when the receptionist called them up because they felt that they were worried about, are they going to get on with the doctor? Are they going to feel confident to have the treatment? But 99% of the time, they go ahead. But if there was something like podcasting or videos on his site where they were more fully informed, I think the the conversion rates um, would be probably slightly more higher where they could probably schedule out a lot better. So um, I can only imagine with, with podcasting side. So how do you give, I mean, you're pretty confident uh, in yeah. terms of, um, you know, being able to do podcasts. So what would you suggest, you know, if, if, if a practitioner or, or someone else within a practice wanted to have a go at doing some sort of podcasting or video, how, how do they... How do they get going on it? How do they get that confidence to be able to do that? You know, it's. I think they just have to imagine, like what I'm doing, I'm talking, when I'm talking into my microphone, I'm talking to that patient. In my mind, it's like, look, you really have to, number one thing is like, say laser hair removal. This is why it works, and this is why it doesn't. You know, you people get very upset when they're not getting great results from laser hair removal. But this, there's a reason why we have you coming in at specific intervals, and this is why. This is how hair grows. This is, you know, the the critical phase when we need to hit it with the laser to zap those stem cells. And if you don't stay with your regimen, it's not going to work for you. And and they feel 
I think you just have to feel like you're talking to your patient, like you're doing this consult. You have all the time in the world to talk to them, and you want to get out those key points that they need to know of how something's going to work for them. Tattoo removal. You know, that people have no idea how tattoo removal works. But in my podcast, I explain to them black inks, red inks, under the skin, smokers, where it's on your body. All these things contribute to the success of that tattoo coming out. So if anybody wants to do that, I think they have to, first of all, let their personality come through. Don't read a script. Sit somebody down in front of you to practice and like you're talking to them, like you're having a conversation. That's what it's all about. That's how you get your, you have to get not just the information across, you have to get your personality across because that instills confidence in your listener. Yeah. And I've I've always said this, you know, it's, um, I did a a very successful lecture in, in different parts of the world at aesthetic conferences where I talked about marketing with personality and, you know, you've just brought it up and it's, it is, you know, people buy from people. Um, there's, there's many, many, uh, choices out there for consumers to go and see lots of different practitioners and and number one is that it's that personality it's that first impressions um, that warm feeling that you know it's really important that a practitioner or even the the staff supporting that practitioner are all on the same wavelength in terms of it's all about the uh, the client the patient and being able to come across it with with a warm feeling but at the same time with good education. Uh, and as you say, without overwhelming them. Um, but I mean, what do you think? I mean, there's so much education out there, which you've mentioned. Um, so it is quite confusing for consumers to find where to go, uh, where the right information is. But do you find that when they come to the practice that they are more fully informed? So there's less sort of education you have to do when they're in the practice? Or is it? No, I'm not. I'm finding that they're misinformed. I, I really am. And it's simply because of, you know, take the whole Kardashian clan and the Jenner clan. Every time they have a procedure done, it's mainstream. And you see a spike in those procedures going up because somebody that's famous has had something done. And even as something as simple as, you know, Chris Jenner, who had her earlobe uh, fixed from wearing heavy earrings. That happens to all women. But you know what? A lot of women don't know you can have that done. And just by her having that procedure done, it, it causes a spike in increase of, of women wanting to get their earlobes fixed so they can wear their pretty earrings again. So I think that, you know, consumers are seeing stuff out there in social media and then they start, you know, searching the Internet, trying to find out more information about it. And they're finding either misinformation or they're finding no information. Mm. So, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast. I I talk about obscure things that people have done to their bodies because people are having obscure things done to their bodies. (laughs) And it's like, okay, look, I'll, I'll research it for you. I'll talk to specialists in this area and let them tell you what to look out for. Cause there's give you an example. I just did a podcast with, with, uh, a physician on hair restoration. I, I know a little bit about hair restoration, but I'm not an expert. So you know what? Let me go find the best person I know and have them give you the information unbiased and let me have them talk to you like they would a patient coming in for a consult. Think of it as a free consult. And that's one of the things that if any provider is listening to me right now and they're thinking about doing something like this, there's nothing better you can do for your patient than to have them be 
educated. Whether or not somebody comes to my practice or not after listening to one of my episodes, I don't care. As a practitioner, I feel I did some justice and I educated them and I helped clear up some of the confusion that they may have. If they choose to come to us, great, even better. But if they don't, they're going to walk into somebody else's practice and they're going to at least have a little bit of information to arm themselves. So what, what impact uh, has that had you know, doing podcasts on, on the business? I think what's really interesting was the week that I interviewed my husband on the P-shot for, you know, erectile dysfunction and, um, you know, patients that are being treated after prostate surgery. It was very interesting because I interviewed him. He's the one that does the injections. I don't do that. Uh, and, but I wanted to, him to say what's involved and what men can look out for and, and how we can help men. And that week that I launched that podcast, we got seven consults in for the P-Shot. Wow. Because here are these That's guys great. out there that are thinking about having something done. Mm. But they may be apprehensive for one reason or another. I mean, most guys like to come in first thing in the morning or last appointment. At the, they don't want anybody to see them coming and going. And they certainly don't want to come in and talk about something as intimate as, you know, their pee shot, you know, having a pee shot done. But by listening to the podcast, they got enough information that they're like, okay, that might be for me. I'm going to find out more. Seven consults that first week. That's that was great. great. That is great. Because there is so much uh, media that um, we're exposed to and, and it's and it can be confusing in terms of where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Uh, social media obviously has changed changed the game completely. You know, um, it has lots of benefits. Oh, yeah. But then again, it's 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 difficult to manage. I mean, the amount of times we've we've seen practices, they know it's they should be doing it, so they'll launch a Facebook page or an Instagram page. But then nothing really happens because they run out of time to be able to keep updating it. So in terms of, uh, I suppose, the podcasting side, um, do you link that with social media in terms of um, getting the awareness out? I do. It, what's nice is that, you know, I'm on a lot of different platforms, you know, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, um, you know, Google Play, all the way across the board. And there's all these different uh, you know, Tumblr, Spreaker, Stitcher, they're all out there. Um, so what I do is once I release an episode, I have it on YouTube. I have it on Apple TV on the Living Sage Plastic Surgery Network. But I also push it out to all of my social media sources, LinkedIn, Google Plus page, Facebook, Instagram. I let everyone know, hey, a new episode's out, and this is what it's about. And so I do use social media marketing to let my listeners know that something new is coming out. I mean, if you if people who are subscribing to the show automatically know, but to try to get the word out, and then you have to use the right tags. You know, you got to right. build in the right tags into your posts to make sure if somebody is looking for Botox and you use that hashtag Botox or MetaTag Botox, my podcast will pop up. So what's your experience uh, been? I mean, look, what, I mean, it's so difficult to find out, you know, in terms of if you run a busy practice, um, I've seen some practices use uh, internal staff to do their social media or to do videos or to do podcasts. Um, what, I mean, what do you think is the best thing? Is it? Do you think it's better to hire a, um, an agency? But then there is also that part where the agency might not understand exactly what they do because I've had, again, plastic surgeons say, well, actually, I end up telling them and giving them all the content, 
and they're actually just posting it. So what are they actually bringing to the table? And I'm spending all this money. So, I mean, have you got any sort of advice on, you know, whether to go external or internal? Yeah, I my personal preference, I would say internal because your staff, so, you know, the, the younger people that we're getting into our office that come in, a lot of our clinical receptionists, they're very savvy with Snapchat and all the social media platforms. So they know the ins and outs. They know the filters. They know how to hashtag. They know all the ins and outs. And you can get that also from a company. But a company doesn't know the personalities of the office. Yeah. The staff does. We know when something cool is going on um, or something funny or something great that's happening. And your staff members are always there and they can capture it. I truly think in today's market and today's business for aesthetic medicine, I think every office should have a, a certain person assigned to social media. Mm. That's what they do. Even if they just do it yeah. three days a week and they build up you know, all their posts and you can pre-publish them, like you can schedule the posts to go out. They don't have to have somebody there every day. But if they build up a whole bunch of things that are fun or interesting, they show the personality side of the office. They show the great things that are happening in the office, the fun things of the office. People want to see that. And specials, what's on specials, something new that came in the office. What new laser did you get? What new product did you get? Even if they just do that three days a week and then pre-publish them, like schedule the publish and for them to go out, that's the best way because they know the products, they know the procedures, they know the people, and they can speak to that better than somebody that's like a social media marketer, I think, from the outside. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, and look, I, I don't know um, in terms of uh, how you schedule your content and how you work that out. I mean, through what we do in, in terms of our um, My Face, My Body, you know, we, we have to, I, I think, and some good advice, I think, for a practice when we talk to them is if they can set it some time away at the beginning of the year to work out a content calendar, and if they could do it for the next 12 months or they just do it for the first three months and look at what's popular seasonal-wise, when things spike, when things trough, but to try and work out what content they could be creating and then look at all the different avenues, whether it's videos or podcasts, um, whether it's PR and where they can really, once they create that piece of content, where can they push it out to to get the biggest exposure and the biggest impact. In terms of what you do um, with your scheduling, do you find that you plan out or do you just ideas come to you all the time and then you just... You Both. Just, yeah, bring it on. I could imagine both. you're you're an ideas person, so both. Yeah. yeah, both because you know things happen and come up or like we went to a convention and we came home with some new products. That wasn't in the plan, but it was something that we found out there. It was something that we wanted to add to our practice and so, you know, we're right now we're building a campaign around that now. But we do kind of plan out what we want to do at the beginning of the year, but things change. Staff changes and maybe a new nurse practitioner came in or a physician extender comes in. You want to introduce them. Somebody had a baby. People like to know when you have babies. You know, so a lot of things happen and a lot of spur of the moment social media is big. But I think you should have some sort of a plan. You should at least know if you're one of those practices that like to have Botox parties, you know, Botox and dermal filler days, or you like to have giveaways through the year, they should be planned out. And you should also think about when you're doing that plan, plan it certain things that happen in your slow time of the year that will bring revenue in. 
you know, don't just plan when to have one, plan it around your cycle. I mean, everybody pretty much knows their, their quote unquote downtime, you know, when their down season is. That's when you plan your certain events to bring the revenue in during those slow months. So I wouldn't say just go out there and throw them out, you know, throw them out there. I would really strategically plan what you want to advertise and then throw the fun stuff in on top. Yeah, and that's a, that, that's a great idea. And I, I think, you know, now that you're introducing, you're saying this new product, what would you say is a, has been successful in terms of when you introduce something new into the practice, um, what has been a successful strategy in order to get momentum and get interest with your existing clients or new clients about something new that you introduce? Well, the first thing that we do is we explain, we explain to the patients why Dr. Young chose this. You know, what was it? What's special about this product and that's new? Because we let our patients know that technology is always changing. Products are always changing, just like your computer gets outdated and your iPhone gets outdated every three years. Same things happen with products. Products and technology is getting better and better and better. And we're always out there seeking to find the best things for our patients. But one of the things with something like this is I'm going to demo the product. You know, I'm 56 years old. You know, I've got fine lines and wrinkles and enlarged pores. I've got melasma from childbirth. And I've got this skin that I just have trouble really getting control of it. So I'm going to be a guinea pig. I'm going to show my face without all my makeup. And I'm going to document, you know, my progress through the trial with this and let patients see me do it. And we do that a lot in our office when we get when we got cool sculpting in. Our staff all had cool sculpting done. So that way, when they sit down and they talk to a patient, they can show them their before and after photos, and they can also tell them what the experience was like because they had it done. So we do that in our office. You know, we all try things out. That's great. That's absolutely super. So what do you think, uh, I mean, everything's really sort of uh, going skyrocket for you at the moment in terms of the momentum with the podcast, and I've listened to a few, and and they're really, really interesting. You know, the education that uh, you're putting across, the interviews that you're having, um, and you know, I might even be lucky enough to be one of your guests one time. You know, you well, never I know. I think I will have to just do that, Stephen. <laughs> if, if 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 you find time in your busy schedule, but uh, but what's uh, I mean, do you have sort of any other advice around? I suppose practices really making sure that they've got the right education in all of their marketing material, whether it's they're doing videos or podcasts and their marketing material and their consultations. Um, have you got any sort of advice on on that for, for practices and, and the employees? I do. I think one of the most important thing a practice owner can do is invest in education for their staff. Mm-hmm. Developing your staff and continuing to develop your staff and continuing to train and retrain is one of the best things you can do, not only just in the types of procedures that you're doing in your office or sending them to seminars and classes and training. I'm talking about constant internal training, answering the phones, dealing with difficult patients, um, dealing with difficult employees, interpersonal and group you know, drama that happens. The continuing development of your staff is probably your biggest investment that you can make, probably more so than even some of the marketing endeavors that you're thinking about doing. Because, you know, this is the old adage is like, that person that answers that telephone can make or break your practice. How many times have we heard that? 
How many webinars do you sit on that some experts telling you that person answering the phone can make or break your practice? Well, you know why everybody keeps saying it? Because it's true. It's <laughs> true. Right. How many times? I mean, you you know when you call on a phone, as soon as somebody answers a phone when you're calling somewhere, if you don't like that voice right away, you go, oh, yeah. this phone call is going to be hell. You know, you know right away that you're not establishing a relationship from that very first sentence from that person on the phone. And it is true. So I, I really do think that staff development, training, retraining, um, nurturing your staff, forming that team, for, forming that bond is what really catapults your business to the next level. Great. So I suppose what's the next steps for you? And um, if you can tell uh, our audience, you know, where they can get uh, in contact with you, um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to see wh- where where is it all going. Are you going to be running for president one day, or uh... I don't know. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. You know, <laughs> I didn't think I'd be here today. You know, my podcast is now two years old this month, so I've been out for two years, and I'm primarily doing it to, like I said, educate my patients. And the funniest thing was, I was out in Las Vegas at a convention last year, and this lovely couple comes running up to me and they're going, no, you're Nurse Paula, you're Nurse Paula. Can we have your autograph? And I went, I'm, I'm sorry, you you have the wrong person. <laughs> oh, no, no, we listen to you. You're famous. And I'm going, oh, my, I looked at my husband. I said, oh, my God, I have a fan. I was, I was <laughs> you sit behind this microphone and it's like, there's nobody there, you know. And all of a sudden, this human, a live human being came up to me that I didn't know and said that they were fans and I'm famous. And I started cracking up laughing. So, it was really funny, but I'm just trying to, you know, I, I think podcasting is a really great way to get information. I'm really thankful and fortunate to be where I'm at with my podcast right now, but I know there's so much more I can do with it. And I'm just really trying to embrace the whole experience. And I really do appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell your listeners a little bit about what it is I do, because I think it's something that they could incorporate themselves into their websites and into their practice to really start developing that relationship with their patients. So I don't know what I'm going to do. That is awesome. So can you um, just uh, tell us again um, where they can see your and listen to your podcast? Certainly. If you want to look at it in video format, I am on YouTube. It's a Young Thing podcast. And I'm also on Apple TV on the Living Sage Plastic Surgery Network. If you have the Apple TV at home, just search for the Living Sage um, app that's on your Apple TV. For audio, you can download my podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Tumblr, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Wow. Spotify and Tumblr. There's a couple of other places out there that it's going, but uh, you can subscribe, listen, share, and it's it's a young thing with Nurse Paula Young. So sometimes they have me listed under Young Medical Spa, and sometimes under It's a Young Thing podcast. Well, Paula, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure, and um, it's been great talking about how you've growing uh, your brand, uh, your personal brand, how you worked in a practice and and really uh, been creative and innovative with um, creating these podcasts, absolutely taking education to a new level and uh, it's absolutely a pleasure and I'm sure our listeners have um, found it very, very uh, invaluable. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for having me. And don't be surprised when I call you up to be a guest on my show because it's coming. (laughs) Here we go. Awesome. Thank you. All right. You're welcome.